If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. He's got it! Touchdown, Jack Doyle! And he's going to be brought down inside the 15, and it's going to go to DeForest Buckner. Huge hole! He's at the 30! He's going to go! 10-5! Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor! From the Power Home Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Colts official podcast. My name is Jeffrey Gorman. I am joined week in and week out by Miss Lara Overton and from Colts.com senior writer J.J. Stankovitz is here. As usual, we are presented by our friends at WinBet, proud sportsbook partner of your Indianapolis Colts. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. The Colts official podcast is is part of, rather, the Colts Audio Network, anywhere that you download podcasts and listen to them, you can find them there. Again, find everything you need on the Colts Audio Network. Guys, 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 I, I mean, we are on to something here in the rain in San Francisco. I need to touch base on that a little bit, but I'm going to throw it out to you, Lara Overton, and I said, let's start with the triangle today. And when I talk about the triangle, I'm not talking about a Phil Jackson Bermuda? Type of yeah, Tex Winter offense. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about offense, yes. But I'm talking about football offense, and the triangle for this offensive unit of the Colts is Carson Wentz, Michael Pittman Jr., and of course, Jonathan Taylor. Hello, what a win, a hell of a win up in the elements up there in San Francisco. What's your first take from that one? Well, one of the statistics that went out after the game was this is the first time the Colts have had both a 100-yard rusher and receiver in the same game since it was JT and Moelle Cox week two of 2020. So we've gone more than a year seeing that type of a receiving running back tandem. And one of the things that you are starting to understand and we are watching unfold is how this physicality of Michael Pittman is so infectious across this Indianapolis Colts offense. When you have a guy who's going up and like bullying DBs, uh, you know, able to win that one-on-one rep in critical type of situations, that was for me as it was it was certainly the plays Michael Pittman was making, but it was when he was making them also. Some of those third down situations and then all his, the game all his catches sen- were on third down. Yeah, yeah game clinching uh touchdown there in the fourth quarter. So it was it's so awesome to watch that unfold. Also, you guys I am all here for like a swaggy Carson Wentz, like the confidence. I'm that. That, I mean, the yes. way that he is scrambling, the way he is making plays with his feet, rushing for first downs, creating the opportunity, and then standing up and signaling the first down. Like, gosh, I mean, I love it. I, I am so excited to see this team playing with that type of an attitude, especially going into a divisional opponent at home oh. when they're facing the Tennessee oh. Titans. We're going to get to that one because it's huge. But let me ask you this, JJ. We're talking about the it triangle here. It is so here. hot in here today. Yeah. What is going on back here? Does anyone else feel like really warm or is it just makes me run around all day? Yeah, you've been sprinting. Yeah, yeah. hello. I, I mean, we've been, we've been doing a lot today. Dude. She's Ooh. been up at Carmel. She's been in Broad Ripple. She yeah, went downtown. You know? Now she's up here chirping with us on the Colts mm-hmm. official podcast. Again, that is Miss Lara Overton. She's everywhere. Colts media personality, darling of the year, and, <laughs> and, and absolutely makes everyone's job much easier. But she came up with a good point. Does the success of Michael, and by the way, I love what you said about him. That man's a bully. Bullies in life stink. Bullies in life stink. Bullies in the NFL, I love him, okay? And he is absolutely playing for a bully because when that ball is in the air, he's like, get away from me. I'm going to take whatever I can. Is Jonathan Taylor making it easier for Michael Pittman and Carson Wentz in this offense, J.J. Stankovitz? Yeah, absolutely, because you have to account for Jonathan Taylor. We're going to get into this a little bit later, Jeffrey, but I'm going to make the case later on this podcast, Jonathan Taylor would be the best running back in the NFL if Derrick Henry didn't exist. Mm. And to me, it's not much of a competition. So defenses have to account for Jonathan Taylor now. That means you have to do some different things with your coverages in the back end. But the other part of this whole thing, it doesn't matter sometimes what coverage you're playing against Michael Pittman. If if he's one-on-one against a cornerback, he's going to win that. These aren't 50-50 balls that Carson Wentz is throwing Michael Pittman. They are like 90-10 balls. Michael Pittman Jr. this year, Jeffrey, he's one of three receivers in the NFL without a drop and to have 30 catches. The other two are Amari Cooper and Cortland Sutton. Oh, okay. Good company. So we're, we're talking about a guy in Michael Pittman who is going, he's playing with that physicality that you want, but he's not missing. 
Michael Pittman does not miss. And oh, don't, oh, no. You are not going something right now, Jace. <laughs> so far, he hasn't missed. Let's say that. But, I mean, the... The, the other part of this, and Bill Brooks talked about this on the, uh, the, the podcast I did with him on Monday, the, the pass interference penalties that Pittman got, I mean, those are hidden yards oh, yeah. here, Huge. 57 total yards out of that. Michael Pittman Jr., by the way, against the 49ers, he had a hand in all four touchdowns. The first one to Mo Cox got set up by his 57-yard reception, by the way, what Pittman did on that play, Bill Brooks brought this up. He ran the perfect sort of legal pick route on that. The second touchdown was set up again by a Michael Pittman pass interference penalty. The third touchdown set up by a Michael Pittman pass interference penalty. The fourth one was the one where Michael Pittman went up and just like mossed Dre Kirkpatrick into last year. I mean, love that call by the way from Frank Reich, huh? Oh nice. yeah, well you, you t- Frank yeah. Frank talked about it after the yeah, game. That did. that was something he learned from that Baltimore game where against the Ravens. He got conservative in that situation. They ran the ball to JT. He lost yards. Rodrigo Blankenship's field goal was blocked. In this case, Frank said, he he said, he told the team, I'm not running the ball here. We're passing it. And they ran that play. If you go back and you watch it, they thought they were going to scheme Pittman to be wide open. They kind of ran a fake screen to Ashton Doolin mm-hmm. that they thought Kirkpatrick was going to crash down on. Pittman would just kind of leak down the sideline, be wide open. Kirkpatrick actually stayed on his assignment. And it didn't matter because Pittman just went up and bullied him completely. It was incredible. And he's so stinking big. Hello, we back on the Carson Wentz train because everybody's yep. starting to talk about this kid. And we saw what happened at Grand Park back at training camp. We had a couple of bad ankles. We had a COVID thing. We had the, the surgery. Now he's getting some more throws under his belt. Obviously with him and Michael Pittman are clicking. But the way, the swagger, the stuff that you're talking about, the the first down calls, the, you know, the, the lunging for the extra yard and getting yeah. up and saying, hey, and I just, you know what, it's, it's coming together. To, you, you want to see that in the first week of the season? It was just impossible for this team because of the reps that they didn't have together but now we're talking about week six week seven week eight we're there this guy's playing great not only that everyone around the league including mike sandal from the athletic i call him a quarterback guru type of a guy he's going to be on talking about him your thoughts on carson this time of the year well i think when you have a quarterback who is willing to sacrifice himself in certain situations of course you have to be careful there is always that that kind of fine line that quarterbacks are dancing between you know giving themselves up, but also, you know, exposing themselves in an effort to gain some yards, get a first down, you know, whatever it happens to be. But I think that you look at what the other guys, the reaction of the rest of that team is when you have a quarterback who is willing to do all of those things. I mean, his touchdown was a thing of beauty. He, you know, throws the spike uh, at the end of it. That was so fun to watch. And one of the things that Ryan Kelly was asked about yesterday by our J.J. Stankovitz, who was asked about what he has learned from his quarterback through this point in the season, and he said it's the no-fear mentality he has and the ability to rally everybody together have the poise that all 10 guys are looking for him to have it's an awesome thing to know he's going to put it on the line for you that's your starting Mm -hmm. center so you think about like when you are getting that acclaim from your offensive line that is creating those opportunities for you I mean that is this team is certainly being galvanized because of the leadership that Carson Wentz is showing and it doesn't necessarily have to be like an immense vocal type of leadership I think mainly Carson's leadership comes from the way that he plays and the way that he attacks the game and the willingness that he plays with to do whatever is necessary to put his team in a position to be successful. JJ, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, Carson Wentz, the triangle is there, but there are some unsung heroes on this team. There were some big plays on this team. There were some big players on this team. I'm going to go towards you real quick, and I'm going to start with this one. My big-time player of the San Francisco 49ers game, the X-Man. Oh. Xavier yeah. Rhodes, seeing what happened, uh, you know, in pregame warmups, going through drills, had something come up, threw the helmet down, walked off the field into the locker room with the trainer. I thought, uh oh, mm-hmm. here we go. Uh uh-uh. uh, came out there, played hard, played well, as you saw, and made a difference like that. So, unsung players, big plays of the game. What do you think? Well, I mean, first starting with Xavier Rhodes, I mean, he he played eighty six percent of the Colts snaps. He missed a couple with that, it, you know, it was a calf injury is what they announced, mm-hmm. but then to come back and be like within an inch of a pick six in that situation, I mean, hats off to Xavier Rhodes for just gritting through that. You know, 
it's not it's not an unsung sung thing, but like we got to talk about Darius Leonard. Oh, I mean, it, what he is doing on one good ankle is just incredible. But there there was one play early in the game where I think it was I think Garoppolo had it and Darius came after him and Darius showed some burst. Now that I, we hadn't totally seen all year, and I kind of had the thought of like, uh oh, he's back. If I, I don't know if he, I don't know if I'm saying he's back. That's that's for Darius to answer, and I'm certainly not going to answer for that. But I saw that, and I went, Darius is getting healthier this year, and he's already doing this. This he's got three forced fumbles and two picks this year. Early, in you think the, he yeah. took some notes from what Carson did to heal his uh, sprained ankle so quickly? Like maybe like D. Leonard is like you know, well he bending Dar- his Darius, ear a little bit. Like Darius oh. is he's what in the hyperbaric chamber like yeah every single day and. He he's working on it, mm-hmm. and you know I, I love I, it when your best player or one of them on the field is your unsung hit player of the well, game. Well, I know, know I know you said getting, unsung, but no, I, I just, that's not me because I'm just saying there's so much good play and good I'm players go. out Jeffrey, there. I, saw, I, I know where you're going, and I just wanted no, to highlight. I'm you're wrong. Where you're you're going. wrong. I know you. No, I know where you think. Uh, let I'm me going guess. Let not. me guess because back in the day, and sorry to interrupt you, JJ, but Lo's got so many great points here about this man. She talked about it. You were here. I'm just really forceful. I was like, I was like, hey, who's gonna? You know, bold statement of the year, bold statement of the year, and she's like, ah, Mo Ali Cox will get six touchdowns maybe eight touchdowns we're like boy we hope so this thing will be cooking <laughs> hell he's got four already we're not midway through Carson Wentz loves tight ends there it like, is. obviously but no my my it's unsung, not Mo it is okay. not it is not Mo it is not Mo as deserving as Mo Ali Cox is but he got the TD he got his druthers my unsung hero yep Corey Willis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. With the season ending injury to Julian Blackman last week, the absolute devastating blow that was to this defense. Corey is likely not 100% himself. He had the injury, which kept him out of some time. You know, a few weeks ago, he was still working his way back. Seems like he's pretty much all there. But if the absence of Julian Blackman, you have Anderson Deho, who's playing off of coming just coming back out of concussion protocol, and Kari has six tackles, a pass defense, and an interception. Kari Willis, you are my unsung hero of Week Seven. Okay, I, I got a Go quick ahead, one. JJ. Ashton Doolin played a season high forty three snaps yep. with T Y Hilton out with Paris Campbell on IR, and I got a text from my brother in law, big Colts fan. And he was just kind of like, why is Doolin out there? In sort of like an incendiary way. Right. And I said, you look at some of those explosive runs that Jonathan Taylor is having. You're not getting those without Ashton Doolin blocking on the perimeter. Ah, and uh, thank you very much for that because there is that is a perfect plug to our latest director's cut Go presented ahead. by Bud Light Seltzer. It's Jonathan Taylor's 76-yard touchdown against, against Baltimore. Baltimore. A yep. lot of the credit in that going to Ashton Doolin and Zach Pascal for setting Love up some key guys. blocks. Yeah. Also, I totally underestimated Eric Fisher on that play. He took out two defenders. <laughs> Literally in took out one two move. defenders. So yeah, go right there. Go to our YouTube, our social media Great platforms, stuff. digital platforms. Jonathan Taylor. Taylor's director's cut, his Monday night football debut at Baltimore. Love it. We have so much to talk about coming up. We got Mike Sando coming up from the Athletic in one second. We got Casey Vallier from the Colts Radio Network, who's going to come in here and play some trivia. He's going to win Jim Mercer's money, is what we call it. He'll be playing for the Indiana Youth Group, that is the game day collection sponsor against the Titans. So Casey Vallier is going to be in here, and you play at home as well. But first off, we're going to talk to a guy that's smarter than myself. I don't know if he's smarter than than JJ or Lara, but I know he's smarter than me, and we're going to learn something from the athletic mike sando football gm pod on saturdays we had the athletic football show hall of fame selector i love that it goes on and on this man knows more football than most mike i appreciate you being today here today how's everything going in your world you know not too bad just enjoying my 20 whatever season covering the nfl and uh, feel privileged to do it yes you are uh privileged to do it and also that you're uh, you're great at your job so i love reading what you're doing and <laughs> look forward to seeing out at colt's training camp like i had the last couple of years well not last year but earlier this year and the year before that before the pandemic and everything mike i just want your first thoughts i got to go back when there was snow on the ground here in indiana and you heard the colts say hey they are signing carson wentz there's a trade it's for a first round pick potential second round pick what was your first gut thought as far as the fit goes after philip Rivers said i am not coming back to Indianapolis? You know, I kind of liked it for the Colts because of the Frank Wright connection. I think Carson Wentz is really talented, and I think it's nice to be able to go with a young guy. You know, they had gone the the old guy route, right? So I did like it. And then 
he got hurt a couple times in camp. There was all the stuff going on about whether he was vaccinated or not. And I, I cooled a little bit, you know, I just kind of, it didn't feel as good. And now he's sort of, you know, maybe he's winning me back over now. You know, he's, I think the first step to becoming a good quarterback again for him is to not be a bad one anymore, you know, and I think he's clearly not bad now, right? Like last year was really bad. So you know, I think they're trending up and, and, you know, it's a long-term investment, but we, I think we forget that sometimes because we evaluate the league every week. So Mike, your, your quarterback tiers, it's one of my favorite things to read every year. Cause I think it, it puts so perfectly where teams stand with their quarterbacks going into each season. And Carson Wentz was tied for 19th this year in the overall rankings. He was a tier three quarterback, he was tied with Jared Goff, and uh, I think those two guys are probably they're probably in different trajectories right now. But when you started doing your research and you started talking to people around the league about Carson Wentz, what struck you about what you heard about? Hey, like if anyone's going to fix him, it's Frank Wright because that's some of the impressions I got yeah. from reading yeah. your your write up on him. Yep, and he's been he's been well liked. You know, this was a big fall for him. I think going into last season. Uh, you know, he was definitely solidly in Tier 2, and I think people have kind of given him the benefit of the doubt because they see the talent, they know he's played well before. They recognize that it was a bad situation in Philadelphia. And then after last season, you just couldn't, you know, you, you, you had to just face what the production was. So um, I think there was there was optimism that he, that him in, you know, in this spot could uh, could get it back. And like I said before, you know, I think we – we want it to all happen at once, but you know I think it's ha- probably happening incrementally, and it's probably been a little, uh, you know, things have calmed down for him a little bit. You know, I, I, th- I think that's important. Mike, noting one of your your article that JJ was pointing to with those tiers of your quarterbacks, and one of the critiques of Carson that one of the voters noted was that he tries to hit home run home runs. He holds on to the ball, takes yeah. sacks, and. How have you seen now with the weapons he has? That's something that Carson said was really intriguing about the situation in Indianapolis, of course, you know, reuniting with Frank Reich, but also looking to guys that you already had on this roster, like Jonathan Taylor, Taylor, T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman Jr. How much have you seen him rely on the weapons that are surrounding him that are putting him in a position to be successful? Yeah, I think he's probably done that better. Uh, Certainly the the interception and turnover numbers are down. You know, it. I don't know that it's fully translated in the red zone, you know? And just when you're happy with how it's going, that play that happened the other night down there, you know, and he's getting hit and the ball comes like, and you go, oh, man, you know, here we go again. But I think those are few, fewer and farther in between. And so he, it seems like he's made some strides in that area to me. Uh, you know, not I'm not watching every single play every single week, but from what I've seen, it looks like um, there's some progress there. I was a little concerned in the in the in the game when he got hurt by Aaron Donald. I, I don't think it was necessarily his fault for trying to do too much, but he, you do want to see the ball out right and, and not taking those. So I think there's progress. I think he's made progress on that front. I, and they need to get the weapons. You know, the weapons haven't all been there all the time either for him. So I, I want to ask you to go back to what you just said about, like, oh, here we go again with Carson. Because I mm-hmm. I got that impression from people who maybe hadn't watched him every week like we do here in Indianapolis yeah. that, you know, he, he throws that interception turned fumble against the 49ers. And there was a lot of, like, you know, oh, man, like Carson Wentz, ha, 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 like what a bad quarterback. Yeah, yeah. He's doing it again. But he then came back in that game. And, and that second quarter, he had some other plays that were turnover worthy uh, as graded by pro football focus. And to come back the rest of the game and make the plays he did, including that 28-yard touchdown to Michael Pittman Jr., I mean, does that signal to you a growth in Wentz or even just a, a, a regression back to who he was in 2018 and 2019 instead of the guy in 2020 who one of the, the voters in here said he's, quote, too mentally soft? Yeah, yeah, I think that I think he's definitely overcome last year. I mean, that's... That that's was kind of my initial point that I think he's not bad anymore. You know what I mean? He was bad last year. It was bad. You could say the situation was bad, but he was bad. And he does have to fight that. I think he'll always have to fight that trying to do too much. And, um, you know, my fear is that there's enough of that in him that doesn't come out that in a critical moment in a big game or 
when you can least afford to get him hurt, he may be more prone to those types of things, right? Because you, you don't totally change who you are. What you do is you discipline yourself to not be like that all the time, right? To, to be able to pick your spots. So he has to do that to uh, to last in the league. I think he's done a better job of it this year. And yeah, we've seen occasional glimpses, but I think with most quarterbacks, you're going to see occasional glimpses. You know, keep him occasional, right? Keep him be the exception to the rule, not costing you games. And so I think you can give him the one every once in a while that happens. Because like I said, that's going to happen to most of the quarterbacks. You're going to have one or two of those. He just can't have seven or eight of them. And if you look at him this season, you know, I think they've probably, you know, there's been a fair amount of shorter passes. I think his average pass goes more than two yards short of the first down marker, which is about where he was as a rookie. Uh, it's, it's low. It means you're not probably forcing it as much not pushing it as much, and they may just be sort of easing him along. They're exactly 50-50 run pass uh, on early downs. Uh, I always look at the first 28 minutes of the game before we get into two-minute warning of the first half. That's kind of when you can be real aggressive passing a ton, or that's when you can really sit on the ball. They're, they're 50-50. I think that's not an accident. You know what I mean? I think they've tried to manage him, manage the situation, get his bearings back a little bit, work some of those things out, like you were talking about the occasional play. Um, and, and then maybe you can build on that as lines healthier, weapons are better, and you have a base of consistency to work from. I think that's, I think they're building that base right now. This is now back-to-back seasons that we have seen Frank Reich put it on the line to get his guy in the building. Last year it was Phillip Rivers, of course, going back to their relationship that they had with the Chargers. And then he advocates strongly to Chris Ballard and to Jim Irsay to bring in Carson Wentz, make this big trade to do it. And he said after that, I love to stick my neck out for my guys. How much was Frank Reich laying it out there and putting himself somewhat at risk with this gamble on Carson Wentz? Well, I thought of that initially, but then they signed him to a five-year extension, right? So I feel like Jim Irsay feels like he has the right people. You know, when Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, he didn't have to give an extension before the year um, to, to do that. So, um, And then the Rivers thing worked out to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, what did you expect? They went, what, 11-5? They mm-hmm. went to the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then he retired. Well, it wasn't like he put his name out there on Rivers, and then Rivers was crappy. I mean, Rivers was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I think I think – yeah, there's some risk on that, but I mean, you're always, you know, you, you have to decide on somebody, right? And I'd rather, <laughs> have coach, I'd rather have my coach want the guy than have him have reservations, you know. And I think you, I think this off season, the interesting choice for people was like Stafford or Wentz, right? And there was different price points involved and and that sort of a thing, and they chose to go with the younger guy, and I, and I get that. You know, I get it. I think if if I think if Wentz had three touchdowns and seventeen interceptions right now, yeah, you know Frank Reich might be feeling a, a little bit. Not that they're going to get rid of him or anything, but he'd be feeling that. I think he can feel decently right now and feel like it's a long term, you know, process. That's Mike Sando. Follow him on Twitter. It's a great follow if you love the pro game. Sando at Sando NFL. That's S A N D O N F L. And I love the tweet you had last night. I'm so real because I don't want to throw any babies out with the bathwater if they're quarterbacks because you never know when they can, you know, they're going to have their second life. Anyone considering trading or moving on from a good quarterback should be made to watch this game on a loop until their mind is changed. And of course, you were talking about Seattle and the Saints game last night on Monday night. I love that you said that. And one of the biggest free agent signings for success when it comes to quarterback is down in Tennessee, is with Ryan yeah. Tannehill and what he's done. He can't, they signed him. He sat behind Mariota, and all of a sudden, he has not looked back. Why has he been so successful in that offense? And you can't say Derrick Henry either, Sando. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Derrick Henry helps. I mean, I think <laughs> sure he does. <laughs> anybody to have the whole defense occupied with that guy as, as they should be. So, I mean, I think that's part of it. Uh, you know, you sometimes you go from a tough or challenging situation and you grow from it. You know, I think Miami has not been a good situation. Um, they haven't exactly done a good job developing a, a bunch of quarterbacks down there. So it was an up and down deal. He had multiple coaches. And I think that uh, he was always talented, you know, and he wasn't horrific. It wasn't like Tannehill was just Blake Bortles type production in Miami. He was good enough that they sort of gave him a contract extension. It wasn't one of the big ones, but they, you know, they kind of wanted to see more. And I think sometimes you get a change of scenery 
and the glass can go from looking half empty to half to half full. Um, you have to credit him too. Like this year, Tennessee's a team to me that every year almost you could see a reason why they weren't going to be as good. They lost this guy, this draft pick was bad, and they just win every year. Isn't it amazing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they have something good there because they're coming off what beating Buffalo and Kansas City, right? After losing to the Jets, yeah, uh, yeah, losing to the Jets. So, <laughs> but but you know, Tannehill has has just done a great job, you know. And I think uh, you say don't you know don't credit Derrick Henry too much, but there, I think there's a, a range of throws for him that are that can be off of the play action and can be in the middle of the field that probably play to his strengths. And he's done a great job with that. I think he's also athletic. I think that helps. He can run, um, you know, and it's it's just a good, probably a good system for him, good place, right time. The, the most impressive thing to me was last year they won with a bad defense. You know, that's really hard to do. Usually only the top quarterbacks do that. So you have to give the, you have to give Tannehill some credit for that. I want to ask you about Tennessee because, you know, you kind of mentioned um, – where they've kind of gone and how they just they keep winning every year and how you know they lose someone in this case Arthur Arthur Smith going to the Atlanta Falcons to be their head coach and it it kind of has felt like and I don't know if you feel this way that the last couple of weeks they've started to get back to the offense they were previously with Arthur Smith where they're just kind of spamming that play action game running it with Derrick Henry running a lot of duo and then spamming play action and hitting you know Julio Jones yep. AJ Brown on those routes and what sort of identity are you seeing now the Titans develop even without a guy there like Arthur Smith, who was so integral to that offensive identity over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think, I think it's fairly unique because usually when you have a team that is, you know, really emphasizes the run like that, they're in huge trouble when they fall behind. They stick with Henry when they're down two scores. And when they get beyond that, it, it can, it, you can't do that, but they've, they've done that. They've been able to come back from two scores down without totally abandoning um, Henry. So I, I think that stands out to me. They, they haven't lost their identity there. I think, uh, you know, they do have good personnel at the wide receiver spot, too. I think that really, really helps them. But kind of quietly this year in Tennessee, on defense, they're rushing the passer better. Uh, I think that has been a component of this team that um, has made it easier for them to sort of find their way and get kind of back into their groove offensively. After some shaky moments, they've done better up front getting after people. Harold Landry's one of those guys. Hey, Mike Sando right there from The Athletic. Have you seen a, uh, when you started 98 covering this league to where you're at right now, a drastic change offensively or is it similar? Oh, completely. Yeah, just look at like Andy Reid. Go back to Andy Reid's offense, uh, you know, in 2004 or 2006, I mean, you're going to see split backs. You're going to see I formation. You're going to see 21 personnel, two backs, and one tight end as the base offense. Uh, it's been a complete change over the last 10 to 15 years, 10, 10 years, maybe a little bit more than that, to where the league is predominantly or largely shotgun now. Um, you almost never have a fullback in the game. Um, you know, it's it, in, three receivers used to be third down. Now it's every down for some teams. I think that's completely changed, and and then your ability to you know your ability to operate as a quarterback and a receiver without taking the kill shots. I think that's a huge deal. The middle of the field used to be if you threw there, you're going to get a concussion, you know. And and likewise with the quarterbacks. Look at the personal foul called last night on you know the, the defender hit Jameis Winston and just kind of grazed his right. face mask with his helmet. I mean, no one's going to be like, oh, did you see that hit that Winston took? You wouldn't even remember it, except there was a penalty. And I think that was totally different. You know, the guys playing Joe Montana would really get smashed when he got hit. You know, so I, I think it's better for longevity. It's probably better for people wanting to let their kids play. You know, all of that. It's probably better for the game, even though, you know, obviously people love those hits, too. Sure. JJ and I were having this conversation last week in regards to, you know, winning the division for the Indianapolis Colts versus the wild card situation. And JJ really pointed to the amount of parity that there is in the AFC right now. The teams that you have who are currently sitting, you know, at five and two, you have so many kind of teams right there in the mix. How open are you seeing kind of this wild card situation and also these divisions within the AFC through this point in 2021? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Would we have ever thought Kansas City would be the 11th seed? <laughs> no. Cincinnati would be number one right now. <laughs> right. Come on. Absolutely ridiculous. So, um, you know, for Indy, I felt like I felt like losing that Baltimore game was such a killer. You know, mm-hmm. it just that was the game they were sort of going to steal and win and against a team that was perceived as better. And to have that happen and then have Tennessee beat both Buffalo and Kansas City, I felt like it was a real swing for just being able to win the division, you know? And now it's just double down, right? Where all chips are in this week. And he's got to, you got to win to have a chance there. I, when I look at those teams that are kind of on the outside looking in, though, I mean, you fear Kansas City, but I don't know if Pittsburgh's going to hold, you know? I don't know if New England really is. I mean, to me, for these teams that are down there, let's just rule out Houston, Miami, Jacksonville, and the Jets, okay? Mm-hmm. So you're sort of in this mix of Denver, Kansas City, uh, New England, Pittsburgh, you know, maybe it's Cleveland in that mix. Well, I'm hoping if I'm Indy, like, that's why I got Carson Wentz the second half of the season. Does he grow into someone who gives you the edge, not over Kansas City probably, but maybe over an injured Mayfield, right? Mm-hmm. maybe over an old Ben Roethlisberger, maybe over a young Mac Jones. I think mm-hmm. that would be sort of certainly over a Teddy Bridgewater, right? Those types of quarterbacks, those are the teams you sort of probably have to overcome if you can't overcome Tennessee to win the division. And uh, they're not too far behind to do it. Even like I said, that Baltimore one, man, if they would have had that, I think you'd be prime position. I just want to ask you to go back to the quarterback tiers. One other thing on this. Because um, I listened to the podcast you did with Robert Mays, the mailbag episode last week, yeah. where you got a couple of questions about like, can Lamar move up to a different tier next year, and and like, where are these guys going to wind up in different tiers? Carson being tier three this year, do you see if things continue to progress the way that they're on that he gets back up into that tier two? And I guess just for our listeners, in addition to that, what would you define a tier two quarterback as versus a tier three quarterback? Yeah. Okay. So. Obviously, tier one's good, and tier four or five would be the worst. And, you know, a tier one kind of carries his team and can handle those situations when you have to throw the ball, you know, that are really hard, right? And they do it consistently week to week. The team wins because of them. In the second tier, you kind of do that some of the time. It's sort of like, a, you know, over the years, Matt Ryan or Matt Stafford, they've kind of been in tier two. They're, they're really good quarterbacks, but you wouldn't put them up there with the Bradys and the Rodgers or in recent years, you know, Russell Wilson. Those sorts of guys. That's kind of the line. And the tier three has traditionally kind of been an Andy Dalton type. You know, somebody you can win with when it's really good around you, but he really needs the help. You may not want to be as aggressive of a throwing team. You might need to have an upper half or top 10 defense to get to the playoffs and win. And I think on talent and some past production, Wentz was seen as a two until the wheels just fell off this last year and you wondered, you wondered about him physically holding up that's a big component you wondered where his head was right i mean that was a messy situation in philly so he falls down into tier three there were still nine voters that put him in tier two so um yes i think he can get back to two tier two i think it, it that includes him um driving probably some team success in the second half of the season Follow him on Twitter at Sando NFL. We're wrapping up here with you, Mike. Follow him on the Athletic. Uh, all the information you need is on his uh, his Twitter page, the Athletic, the Football GM Pod, the Athletic Football Show. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame selector and a great guy. I got to talk to him some more quarterbacks, which I love talking. It's off of the Colts path, though. Where does Ra- will Aaron Rodgers play football outside of Green Bay next year? And does Deshaun Watson play football in this league anytime soon? Yeah, you know, I was just going back and forth with someone with a team about Watson. Like, what do we think is going to happen? And the thing I keep coming back to is, like, he can't – he's not going to play soon. He's not going to play this year. So if you're Miami and you've lost seven in a row and you acquire Watson, he doesn't help you end the losing streak right now, right? You know what I mean? It's sort of an awkward acquisition that is would be being made only because there's a deadline right now, right? He's not going to help your team. He's going to – He's going to cloud it for Tua in Miami or sure. wherever he goes. So I think that's fascinating. I'm not sure where that goes. I mean, most people that I talk to in the league seem to think that something's going to happen. And and I'm sort of more like, I'll kind of believe it when I see it, because I don't know what you do with them when you get them. You'd have to have some real assurances giving up three number one picks. Wouldn't you need to know? Like, 
he's going to maybe play next year yeah. or this year. Be helpful. I, I yeah. Find that to be, <laughs> I find that to be a tough one as a GM to sit up there in a press conference <laughs> with Deshaun Watson next to you right oh, now boy. and say, this is our guy. I think it's a lot easier to do the trade on paper and say, we got Watson, isn't it? But yeah. to sit up there, if you're, <sighs> if you're George Payton in your first year in Denver, do you want to sign up for that? No, no. I mean, you got to, that's hard. Yeah, you got to have some backup on that too, and uh, you know you have to. Yeah. I mean, that's going to take some time too to change that that sort of mentality that people have towards him because of the the the, the number of accusations yeah. that he's faced. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not just one or two, or we're in double digits here. And when you talk about what the accusations are, you know, then it's it just it doesn't feel right to me. So I'm going to believe it when I see it. If it happens, I think it'll be because of the owner. Um, I do think that Rogers. You know, I thought when they drafted Jordan Love. There's no way they're going to sit love for three years. You have to make a decision on his option. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think he's going to be moved. I mean, wow. (laughs) Tough one, man. (laughs) I mean, it's really tough because he's so good. Yeah. So I guess guess you have to leave open the possibility. What if he's the MVP again? What if they, you know, get to the championship game? I mean, to me, it's just so hard to walk away from that, but – that seems to be where it's headed, and, and I think they put themselves on that path when they drafted Love. I love it. I love talking football with you. I love talking quarterbacks with you, and I also love the love that you – a lot of love's going on. You <laughs> gave the, the great love to Matt Hasselback last night uh, via Twitter, talking about uh, him and covering him and what kind of stand-up guy is. And I've known him a short period of time. Lara, I don't know if you remember oh, or were yeah. around for, for Hasselback. Sure but was. Had, had some chances to you know sit and talk with him. So you're, you're spot on, Mr. Sando, spot on about it him like because he's such a great guy he came in he played you know gave everything he had he knows he wasn't the best quarterback in the league but by golly he's going to go out there and fight and and a great person off the field too so hats off to you for that tweet i agree he's very funny guy too he had a very dry sense of humor and he could laugh at himself you know i I was seahawks beat reporter for uh nine years and probably uh, probably included his first seven years in seattle so you know spent a lot of time with him back in the days when reporters were in the locker room and had more one-on-one interaction you know with players you really got to know them yeah. and uh he was a, he was a real favorite he, he just really was really really was good so and i still enjoy talking to him uh periodically and i worked with him a little bit when i was at espn so he's one of the best great speaking to one of the best that's you mr sando thanks for doing it for many years covering this great game and, and coming on and sharing some thoughts and wisdom with us uh it's a big week for here us uh, for us here in indianapolis obviously uh a lot can be, can be changed by uh this sunday afternoon so i want to bring you back in a couple of weeks down the road and see where we're at we got playoffs we got an extra 17th game this year and other things going on we got to talk about tom brady a little bit and see what he's doing so if you'll find the time for us i'd love to have you back sir Hey, thanks very much. I enjoyed it. All right, Mike Thank Sando. You, Mike. Check him out thanks, on Twitter, Mike. at Sando NFL. Appreciate the time, Mike. Thank you. Another big hand for Mike Sando. Again, follow him on Twitter, at Sando NFL. You're right, JJ. I mean, a big makes, hando for Sando. Uh, hando for Sando. Makes me smarter to listen to the guy. Oh, yeah. I like guys like that. You kind of do that to me, too. Laura, Lara has been doing that forever. If I could pronounce her first name right, I've only known her for 10 years. <laughs> I just almost called you Laura again. Sorry. Hey, that, again? Yeah. Again? Well, I did it around training camp. What's that's what I mean? Again, I called, I'm going out with Laura. It's like stupid. Come on. She's right next to you the whole day. Oh, that's all right. That's I'm glad right. you guys are here. So here's what we haven't gone over. We have this monumental game on Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. Here's the deal. You lose the game, you're three behind them in the race for the AFC South. You can pretty much mark it up the tree that it's it's over with. You win this thing, you're a game back, you're fighting for it. you got those common opponents on the other side that you still have to get through. So, Lara, I want to start with you. Your thoughts on this game, your thoughts on what happened last, a few weeks back in Tennessee, but more importantly, with a hot Carson Wentz, Michael Pittman that says, I'm here to dominate, dominate and Jonathan Taylor. We got him on our turf this weekend. Yeah, for me, it's all going to come down to an effective pass rush, I think, because where the Titans killed you in Nashville was very much on allowing 
Ryan Tannehill to roll out and create those opportunities that he did early on. So to me, it's all yes, yes, yes. Derrick Henry, of course, always. But you you know what that beast is. You know what that attack is going to be. And you know that that really comes down to not giving up those monster chunk plays, not allowing Derrick Henry to explode for a 40, 50, 60 yard type of play. To me, more so where you have to be effective is in containing Ryan Tannehill and not allowing him to roll out on some of those bootlegs like you saw Jimmy Garoppolo do so effectively in that first quarter against the Colts. And the Colts adjusted for it and were very effective for the remainder of the game. So to me, a lot of the defense is going to come down to being more effective in getting to the quarterback. I love the turnover opportunities, the takeaways that the Indianapolis Colts defense is creating of late and the way that they have played in back-to-back games. Certainly love where the offense is, but I think for, for me, the bigger strides that you need to see in this matchup are going to come on the defensive side of the ball. Offense doesn't need to force too much. Just kind of continue what you're doing. Continue this groove that you guys have been on, the improved timing that we are seeing, of course, the progression of Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. Also, guys, we haven't talked about this yet. Really loved the use of Kiki Guti in that game. Yeah, as well. sure. Welcome so, to Indianapolis, Kiki. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Lara, I think the point about Ryan Tannehill is really good because that is where the Colts got gashed against the Titans. It wasn't Derrick Henry. I mean, Henry had over 100 yards, but he had to have. 30-something carries to get there. The Colts tackled really well against Derrick Henry, you know, whether it was Kenny Moore or, you know, Kari Will, or I guess, uh, you know, Julian Blackman in that game. Unfortunately, he won't be obviously playing this week. Um, some stuff on Derrick Henry, though, is just mind-blowing. Bring it, man, because he is the, the you know, he is the the four horses that, that push that And now engine, he throws you know? touchdowns. Now, yeah, now he throws touchdowns. So Derrick Henry has 198 rushing attempts this year. The second most in the NFL is Joe Mixon with 124. That is a wow. difference of 89 carries. Derrick Henry, Henry leads the NFL in every single rushing wow. category. 915 yards. Second in the NFL is Jonathan Taylor with 597. That's a difference of 318 yards. <laughs> that is three yards off from the difference between Jonathan Taylor and Alex Collins, who is 35th in the NFL in rushing yards. The same gap between number one and number two is the is the gap between number two and number 35 in the NFL. Derrick Henry is 699 yards after contact. Jonathan Taylor Jeez. is second with 441. 250 yards difference there. Derrick Henry has 10 rushing touchdowns. Second in the NFL is six. Jonathan Taylor is third with five. Derrick Henry has 45 first down runs. Jonathan Taylor is second with 36. Derrick Henry has 22 explosive runs of 10 or more yards. Jonathan Taylor is third with 16. The point I'm trying to make here is not that Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL because he is. If Derrick Henry did not exist, if Derrick Henry went back to the planet that he's from, because he's an alien, and he, he he's <laughs> you don't some see running back terrestrial that yeah, presence yeah, in Tennessee. Jonathan Taylor would be the best five pounds at running yeah. back. It's insane. Jonathan Taylor would be the best running back in the NFL if Derrick Henry didn't land on this planet. You know, like a space invader coming in. It, it's just it's crazy how good Derrick Henry is. Jonathan Taylor's really really good. He's great. He's an elite running back, and Derrick Henry's in this stratosphere that we've. We haven't seen since what, like Eric Dickerson? Sure. I mean, sure, but it, that it's, size, it's nuts. I mean, geez, I, like Lara said, I mean, 245 pounds. I say that's so on a, yeah, I, I'm going to say closer to 260 than he is 245. Yeah. I mean, the guy is a giant when he gets next to people, but I can't wait. I'm not going to go over he's, predictions. He's, he's 260 <laughs> at the beginning of the game. He's 245 when he's right, done because right, that's how done. much <laughs> he's run them, yeah. over the course but of you're the right, game. Dominating performance as far as putting the number one quarter uh, running back in the league up against the number two. It really is. They're close, don't get me wrong, like you said, but the usage of a guy like that the usage yeah. is what they're they're just riding out so hopefully hey those guys got to slow up a little bit because you got you got 11 guys taking shots at you at the amount that that derrick henry is mountain of a man or rally not. to the football yeah it's going rally to take to the place football and lara i love what you said we're ending this thing up turnovers 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 they had three of them last time these two teams played and we lost the football game that doesn't happen a lot in the nfl so hopefully they can continue that stretch this week and one of the things i talked with frank reich about before the san francisco game was not just getting the turnovers and creating the opportunities but doing something with them and that was where i felt like 
the Indianapolis Colts in that first matchup with Tennessee did not do an effective enough job with was getting points on the board off of turnovers. And we saw them do an exceptional job with that against the Niners. So we have seen now that this is starting to come to fruition, where not only is your defense creating those takeaways, getting you those takeaways in various capacities, but now you're also seeing your offense either get field goals or get touchdowns out of those opportunities when you have them. Double J, real quick, before we go to trivia time, we're giving away some money yeah. here with Casey Valia. Everybody can play, but JJ, before that, uh, I had a great question for you, and now it's lost. I do that a lot, so yeah. let me let me bring it back, Lara. Give me, Lara, look at me. <laughs> you for know a you second. can edit yeah. this. Oh, I got it back. I got it. Back. All right, I got it back. <laughs> uh, I don't need to edit this because no. I'm, I'm a no, hack. Everyone's Listen. here for this. Yeah, they, they, they want. <laughs> I'm a hack by trade. <laughs> they, so I mean, why, why try and this hide it? Raw like beta version <laughs> of the podcast. But you'll love this though. T.Y. Hilton, Braden Smith, give me some other names. Who could we see this week? The new signing. We got some defensive, we we got the defensive backfield back? help. Yes. Yeah, so um, T.J. Carey, uh, we'll see. He's got to still be activated to return to practice. He's not been designated to return to practice off IR. That would definitely help with the Colts needing some depth at cornerback. You brought it up, though, Jeffrey. T.Y. Hilton, he was close to playing against the 49ers. Frank Reich indicated he, he's got some confidence T.Y. is going to play on Sunday against the Titans. Braden Smith is the one to watch this week because he returned in a limited fashion to practice on Friday before the 49ers game. He's never going to play against San Francisco, but that's the first time we've seen Braden Smith out on a field with his helmet since he got hurt against the Seahawks in week one. You get him back at right tackle, all of a sudden, for the first time all year, your offensive line is whole from left to right. Helmet, no cap, you say. Yes, he was out there with a helmet and... No cap, which is for our youth <laughs> listeners. They know what we're. They know what I'm talking about. Hey, one point that I just made. Uh, I was what asked about. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> what does that mean? No cap. What, what am I missing? I'll here? explain it to you. This off goes air. back to a tweet of JJ's from a few weeks back. But uh, one point I made in regards to Ty Hilton when I was asked on a radio interview earlier today is I said that the risk of the conditions being what they were in San Francisco was not worth putting Ty right, out there. Right. It was slick. Less than fully, less than feeling at full strength. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was just it was a smart business decision. Personally, Personnel-wise, you had the guys that you believed in to get it done. The better option was to allow T.Y. to rest up because you are going to need him in this game against the Tennessee Can't Titans. wait. We need everybody in this one. We are hurting a little bit. They're hurting a little bit. But it's imperative we get this game because we're, they're, we're going to be back in the, in the rearview mirror a, a distance if we can't get this one. So it's happening on Sunday at 1 o'clock at Lucas Oil Stadium. It's Halloween, by the way. What better time for the ghost to God. be back? Larry, like, are you going to wear something? Well, I better wear something. I think they'll kick me out. No, I, I mean like a. Ha- I mean, I mean, ha- it's a different show. I mean like a <laughs> Tucker. Hey, I mean, uh, I mean a Halloween costume. What do you think? No, I'm not wearing a Halloween costume. <laughs> no, no, Larry's like, presence, no, I'm not wearing anything. <laughs> my presence is scary enough as it is. No, uh, no, I don't think uh, that right. I will. Well, one thing. Are you? Are no, you? no, I'm not okay. good. I mean, right. I, I mean oh, maybe on. I will. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I like uh, the Michael Myers thing, but I got to wear a hot, sweaty mask, but something like that. I mean, I'm just, yeah, not probably not. Probably not. But you know what? One man who will be in costume on Sunday, we're going to have him, have him give us uh, a chance to win some money. Bring him up to the mic. Casey Vallier, he is the host of Countdown to Kickoff. You hear him pregame, and uh, he does so much behind the scenes here, including on this show as well. And Casey, we appreciate you coming in. I uh, I don't think you're going to get these, kid. I'm going to be honest with you. Jim Irsay is kind enough, and uh, and and yeah, that would help if I turned you on right there. Jim Irsay is kind enough. Audio I'll just do my own thing. That's okay. Yeah, no <laughs> He's putting up $500. Utility player, that, that Casey Vallier. <laughs> and the recipient, recipient if you, uh, I tell you what, they're getting the money whether you get it or not. I want to know for you, Lara, yeah. Lara Overton, have you seen these questions yet? I have not seen good. these I questions. I want you to play along then. Because ah, this is when Jimmer and Jimmer saves money because here's the good news. Indiana Youth Group, the game day collections for this upcoming game against the Titans, they will be the ones that will be getting this $500. But Casey, you got to try and earn it a little bit. I've got two questions coming from the brilliant mind of J.J. Stankovitz. Are you both ready, Lara Overton, Casey V? Ready as I'll ever be. Can I use Google? Can yes. I use Yeah, ask, use whatever can you, can you want. You can, can I use Google, ask, but it's not going to help. Use well, whatever Jeeves? you want. Can we use that? Ask you can Jeeves. find Is the that still around? Ask Jeeves. Go for it. <laughs> ask Jeeves. Maybe Alta Vista. <laughs> okay, here we go. There are three current head coaches who spent time as assistants with these Colts. Who are they? Again, there are three current head coaches who spent time as assistants with the Colts. 
Bruce Arians. One. Yep. Um. Oh, come of on, NFL you two. Coaches. There are two of these I mean, that I was, thought were obvious. Yeah. I mean, this um, happened recently now. I mean, real recent. Fly, eagle, fly. Oh, Nick Sirianni. <laughs> fly, oh, Nick Sirianni. Oh, Nick Sirianni, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks for that, Gorman. Uh, <laughs> no, um, but there's no chance. Let's go to Denver. And look at Vic Fangio. Oh, Vic Fangio. Yeah. Fangio. 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 Like Vic, Fabio. Oh, Vic Fangio was here? Yes, when? Yeah, 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 he Defensive was. coordinator, was... 99 to 2001. Yes, that Fangio. Is true. Oh, well, I totally forgot about Fangio. Okay. Yeah. Right. Nick Fangio. Fangio? Wow. Nick Sirianni <laughs> <Nick, laughs> yeah. and Vic it's Fangio. Like, it's like when Gorman says the Patriots. That's well, what he no, calls you. You know what? I had this conversation with, I was talking with Frank yesterday, and I said Mario, and he said, do you say Mario or Mario? Mario. Mario and he said that he always grew up saying Mario and Carson always gives him a hard time about it because huh. Carson's like it is not Mario it's, so it's like it's a, a very yes it's an it, east coast thing yeah, yeah. it's so. one of those things like I always make when they're like tomato tomato I'm like I've never met anybody that's ever called it a tomato but clearly if if Frank says Mario, Mario or what yeah. what is it? Mario. maybe they're Mario Mario Mario, Mario so there, there you go hey special yes. special thanks to Bruce Arians okay. uh, <laughs> Vic, <laughs> Vic Fangio and Nick Seriano Soriano uh, for uh, letting me butcher all three. Of the, no, they, thanks to Nick Seriani, Vic Fangio, and Bruce Aarons. You guys are correct. Head coaches that have spent time here with the Colts. We're going to wind this podcast up with one last question. Darius Leonard leads the Colts with three forced fumbles this season. Five other Colts have won. Darius has three. Five others have won. Name two of them. Forced fumbles? Forced mm-hmm. fumbles. we got a bunch of them with one. Tyquan Lewis. There nope. is not one. Darn it. Uh, Julian Blackman. There's Julian one. Blackman is one. There's one. And Kari Willis. Oh, so close, but it isn't there. Julian Blackman's the only one that had that. How about this? A.Q. Mohammed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Big Grove in the I middle. Thought Miami Big game. Grove. Big I thought Grove. about Big Grove. On Jacoby Brissett, absolutely. EJ yes. Speed also had a force oh. fumble and Rock you said. Rock That's you how we got the Titans. Yeah. Here's the good play. news, the bad news. The bad news is you guys weren't great at this. The bad news bad is, is I butchered some names. <laughs> but the good news is 500 bucks is going to Indiana Youth there Group. There you go. They are the game day collections for this Sunday's game. We do it great each week. Great job, Joffrey. Laura Overton. Joins us, Double J. We call him JJ Stankovitz, and of course Casey Valier. You don't hear him all the time, but believe me, he's everywhere. Case, appreciate the help, and of thanks. Course. Thanks for butchering those uh, those questions. You got it. I love bringing you on for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm good at. You, you know? are good at. Anyway, listen, we are part of the Colts Audio Network. This Colts official podcast. Anywhere you find podcasts, you can find the Colts Audio Network. A big thanks to Mike Sando uh, at Sando NFL is his Twitter follow, and he is smarter than most of us. So, guys, I had a great time today. This is a big one coming up on Halloween. J.J. Stankovitz, Lara Overton, and Casey Valier. I am Jeffrey Gorman. Check with Colts.com. Check with their uh, Twitter apps, you know, at Lara Overton, at J.J. Stankovitz. Uh, You know, these guys got information and breaking information. We're going to bring you the latest on Braden Smith, T.Y. Hilton included, and it starts this Sunday. The rise continues. Let's go. Let's get back in this thing. Let's beat the Titans. We will see you guys on Sunday. Again, Colts.com for all the latest information. Thanks, guys. Guys, appreciate your time.